Hello, everyone, and welcome to Make Believe Heroes. You may have noticed that this is not episode 35. Please, I must ask for your forgiveness concerning that episode in particular. I'm certain that everyone is just dying to know what is happening with Tor Metvas, with Cervantes, and whether or not he will take this body as his own. I promise, the answers are coming. But for now, we're going to address some other questions, such as, what happened to Neftalia? What's the real story between Saul and Misk and their time before arriving in Branchar, before Misk arrived in Brightport? Let's go back, all the way back, to the Nine Hells. Please enjoy part one of the origin story of Satsaris. He is just in here. Come. Yes, this this is the one. <laughs> this will be fun. Get up, you fool. That's it. Pull him up here. Uh, what's wrong? Where's your snark, boy? Have you lost it finally? Ready to talk? Or shall my frozen friend here pull out her knives? <laughs> I would be more than happy to oblige. I wonder, is his blood blue as well? Now, now, now. Surely a little traitor like you can handle more than a little flesh wound, can't you? After all, if we don't kill you, then you can be certain that the great lord and king Serastus will. <laughs> You're right. So then why not... Get it over with, because I'm not going to be telling you anything, drowning scum. <clears throat> I would not press him if I were you. But don't worry, we will set you free soon enough. General Karkendal has assigned us to your particular case. I suggest you tell us what Serastus and the Burning Circle are planning or my friend here can remove your wings piece by piece. Isn't that right? Yes, we can remove it quite slowly. <gasps> what? Who are you? Get back! Zack, the Drowning Circle? These peasants? You could have picked a much grander army to have been captured by. <laughs> You're right, Satsaris, but they did not ask for my input. Would you like some heat? You're going to need this if we're going to cut our way out of here. Of course. After you. What took you so long? I had to go visit your mother first. <laughs> You're listening to Make Believe Heroes, the origin of Sutsaris, Prince of the Nine Hells, and heir to the Burning Circle.
My legion is here. We're not going to get out without a fight, are we? No, no, of course. I blew a hole in the side of this castle. It's gonna be crawling with devils in the moment. As those words leave Saul's mouth, the sound of blades clashing together and a burst of fire rings down the hallway from up ahead. Uh, that moment is now. Did you not think that stealth might be the better option for a rescue mission, Satsaris? I'm... Satsaris. Prince of the Burning Circle. These peasants will bow before us. Come on. One day, when you are king, and I am your trusted advisor, you're going to have to learn some tactics. <laughs> As Zaka Zagana and Satsaris make their way down the cold, steel hallways of the sunken prison in the Drowning Circle, the battle rages up ahead of them. As Saul made his way stealthily to Zack's cell, his legion of soldiers burst through the wall up ahead in the epicenter of this watery prison. Mari has a waystone to get us out of here. Well, let's not dally. Let's go. Rushing into the epicenter, Sutsara sees that his legion is already engaged in battle with a number of water demons and warriors of the Drowning Circle. Devils responding to the alarm that sounded the moment Saul's legion burst a gigantic hole in the top of this steel structure. Two navy blue-skinned devils are locked into combat with Mari as she is firing off spells, doing the best that she can to activate her waystone. Zack, back to back. We got to hold them off. Maybe she can get us out of here. We're losing devils. Circle up. We're not going to drown here. Saul and Zack quickly join the battle. Back to back with Mari, they're able to push against the forces of the drowning circle. After a moment, it seems that perhaps they will even win this skirmish. They're falling back, Satsaris. But just as Illumari Jin is about to activate the stone and open their door for escape, just above Saul, Mari, and Zack, a great blue portal opens wide. Soaring down through this portal come ten enormous demons. They land on the steel floor with a resounding boom and then they charge. These great watery beasts swing four tentacle-like arms, both their bodies and their weapons made from pure ocean water. They glide across the floor of the epicenter with alarming speed, cutting through the legion of Satsaris with ease. And before their fearless leader can react, Another figure appears through that blue portal. Satsaris looks up at the sound of beating wings to see none other than General Karkendal himself. The second ranked general in all of the Drowning Circle, but first in brutality and ruthlessness. Karkendal swoops down from the ceiling above towards Satsaris, landing lively on top of the watery steel surface his bright silver armor gleaming in contrast to his dark, midnight blue skin. Grinning, he peers down at Satsaris through his silver helm, his great wings spread in mockery. What do we have here? A lordling. Back to your pits, Karkin. You have overstepped your bounds, child. I will turn you to steam. 
Sotsaurus rushes forward, bringing his flaming longsword down in a great and powerful swipe. But in a swift movement, almost imperceptible in its speed, Karkendal brings forth his greatsword, white as a bleached bone. From the edges of their blades comes rising a white steam, and Karkendal breathes it in deeply as he chuckles. <laughs> the two launch into brutal combat. The ocean and the flame. Steam rising to surround them. At first they seem to be evenly matched, but as the battle goes on, Karkendal strikes more and more glancing blows against his opponent. Soon Satsaris is bleeding, struggling to keep up. And as he rushes forward, beginning to feel the desperation of his plight, Karkendal sweeps his legs with his left wing and then crashes the Red Devil to the floor with both elbows. He leaps up with a burst of wings and comes crashing down with both feet onto Satsaris' chest. Wielding his white greatsword with both hands pointed downward, he mocks his prey. Once you crawl back out of the pit, child, Tell Serastus that I'm coming for him next. But a moment before he can sink the great blade into Satsaris' chest, a number of large, fiery red and golden portals burst to life around them. Swooping out through them come dozens of devils from another legion, that of the Princess of the Burning Circle, Misk Isolda herself. An instant before the blade pierces her brother's chest, his sister bursts out from a golden portal, slamming into the side of Karkendal, sending him flying into one of his great water demons. She lands softly onto the watery steel floor, placing herself between her brother and her opponent. She draws her golden greatsword with one hand, sending it alight with flame. Hmm, Karkendal. Your blood will be on my blade next. Ah, welcome, princess. Perhaps I shall slay two lordlings this night. What a gift you have provided for me, and for the Drowning Circle. The only gift I'm gonna give you is death. Without a moment's hesitation, she flies toward him, moving like a golden serpent, slashing her sword with one hand and blasting a golden ball of flame with the other right into the face of her enemy. Karkendal staggers, taken aback by her swiftness, trying to regain his footing, but in that split second of opportunity, the warrior princess takes her shot. Just as he had done to her brother, with a twist, she sweeps his legs up from the floor with her wings. In that moment, before he can react or even hit the floor, she spins. Taking her sword in both hands, she removes his head with one great swing. As Karkendal's body falls to the floor in twain, disintegrating into the water beneath their feet, his great water demons come apart, melting back into the sea from whence they came. Zack reaches down to his wounded friend, lifting Satsaris to his feet. Saul, we should leave now, before they can send reinforcements. They are not going to be happy once they find that Karkin has been slain. Misk! That was my kill. You were clearly outmatched, Satsaris. A simple thank you will suffice. We can discuss the details later, Saul. We need to go now, Zack exclaims as the steel walls around them begin to creak, the many gaping holes beginning to expand under the pressure of the dark sea. 
Zack gives Mari the signal and she activates the waystone. Fiery red portals appear all around the room and their two legions begin to leap through, followed by Misk. Stumbling toward the fiery portal, Sutsaris hesitates at the opening. My sister is going to be a problem if I'm ever to be king. She is certainly coming into her own, isn't she? After all, you saw how she handled Karkindal. Saul gives him an icy glare. Your father is not going to be pleased. I think that is an understatement. Saul and Zack step through the fiery red portal. Just as the steel walls cave in around the epicenter of this oceanic prison, its halls flooded with dark, icy water. Saul and Zack step carefully out of the fiery portal and onto the black volcanic stone floor of his war room. When Satsaris and his legion portaled out from this place some hours earlier, they left it empty. But now the admittedly large space is overcrowded with devils and elementals. Misk Isoda stands off to the left, one of her soldiers tending to a gash on her right forearm. Both her and Satsaris legions are patching their wounds as the prince leads his friend to a seat so that he too can receive the healing that he needs. However, as the crowd splits before them to make way, the door slams open. And in walks their father, Serastus, king of the Burning Circle, followed closely by his wife and their mother, Queen Neftalia. Both legions part before their king like a wave as he marches purposefully toward his son. He stops just inches from Satsara's face, menacing, one hand on his waist, the other clenched in a fist at his side. Tell me, my son, what do you have to say for yourself? I rescued our advisor and friend, Zaka Zagana, father. The prince bows the knee in reverence for his king. Did you? He's here. Speak, daughter. Did your brother rescue Zaka Zagana? I wouldn't necessarily use the word rescue, but he attempted. Son, were you not expressly told, ordered, in fact, to leave the devil to his fate? I was not going to lose my friend. You were not? Have you forgotten your place so quickly, Satsaris? Emotions before orders? Serastus gives the princess a silencing glare. She crosses her arms and remains quiet. I believe my express instructions were, Leave the devil. He's not worth a war, Satsaris. I did the right thing. The right thing? Since when does it matter what thing is right? You do as you are told, boy. Besides, Karkin is dead. There's a visible twitch in Serastus's clenched fist. General Karkin Dahl has been slain. Yes, his blood is on Misk's sword. He's not wrong. The king's lips split in a wicked grin. So, not only did your sister save you from the clutches of our sworn enemy, son, 
along with your friend Zaka, of course. But she also managed to defeat arguably the greatest general in the legions of those drowning scum. Well, 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 it seems she, at least, is capable of greatness. But if I understand correctly, had she not arrived when she did, then not only would you have been taken or slain, Zaka taken or slain, and your legion eradicated, but the Drowning Circle would have claimed their second victory in this skirmish of ours. Well, a skirmish it is no more. Daughter, approach. The princess steps cautiously toward her father, but with her chin held high. With an enormous, blood-red hand, he lifts her chin, staring into her golden eyes for a moment. He then places his hand on her shoulder, raising his other fist high into the air for all to see. Soldiers, legions of the Kingdom of Flame, this truly is a daughter of my blood. From this day onward, Misk Isolda shall be my third. Not a captain, but a true general as we march forth. Do you accept? I accept. Today is the first day of war. The first war of this age. One led by my own seed. Serastus draws his black greatsword, holding it high above his head as the devils surrounding him cheer. The princess, now a general, kneels before her king. You've made a mistake. With a swift movement, almost imperceptible, the great devil king strikes his son. That is enough. I will not bear your insolence, boy. Disobey me again, my blood or not, and you will serve as a scraper for the rest of eternity cleaning the filth and the viscera from our battlefields. Are we understood? The prince looks up from the floor at his father, the taste of his own blood filling his mouth. Yes, Serastus. King Serastus stands tall, addressing his subjects. Despite my best efforts to prevent it, the Drowning Circle will, with certainty, declare open war this night. And if it is a war they want, then it is a war we shall give them. Let this be the first of many victories, the onset of our triumph of devils. We will show them just how hot the fire burns in our kingdom of flame. As the legions cheer for their king and their new general, Misk Isoda steps toward her brother, where he still kneels on the floor. And taking a handkerchief from her pocket, she wipes clean the blood of Karkin Dahl from her golden greatsword and drops it at Tsatsaris' feet. had come to the hills. This moment began an era of war such as the Nine Hells had not seen in millennia. As the days, months, and years 
passed by. The kingdom of flame pressed their enemy. The burning and drowning circles began extending their reach, vying for allies amongst the other kingdoms. Of course, the subservient melting and freezing circles followed the lead of their superior neighbors, but the others maintained their distance, watching from their swamps, their clouds, their halls of earth and stone. The battle continued, and it remained a war of the sea and the flame. Rising up through the ranks of this war came King Serastus's newest and most fearsome general, his third, the princess, Misk Isoda. By her fifth year at war, she had already made a name for herself as the most ruthless general in King Serastus's army. Her legions washed over their enemies with a fiery fervor, the princess herself at the lead each conquest more valuable, more gruesome than the last. No enemy could stand before her golden sword of flame. Whispers reached the halls of the drowning circle of a mad she-devil with golden flames in her eyes. The Mistress of Massacre, they called her. After slaughtering her enemies time and time again, the king granted her a stronghold of her very own, the Obelisk. This corner of the burning circle became renowned throughout the kingdom as a place where only the most dangerous and ruthless devils of the hells could come to train and to serve in the legion of Misk Isoda. But as Misk's clout grew, her victories compounding, Sutsaris learned the meaning of humility. His legion diminished many of his own men having been lost that fateful night in the drowning circle, weakened, crawling their way back out of the vault of souls. He took what victories he could, but never did his deeds match those of his sister, whose name soared to heights that he had never reached. He grew desperate for a striking victory, craving the opportunity to establish his worth and his self-supposed superiority. Some years passed, and a decade more into this war, Satsaris found himself supporting the killing line in the charred fields of the kingdom of earth and stone. The quaking circle had long since regressed into their halls, leaving the earthen fields of their kingdom as a battlegrounds for the war, Sarastus' triumph of devils. Satsaris and his legion had remained there for more than three years guarding the killing line and pressing back any swelling surge from the drowning scum. He sat atop a stone peak, long blackened by the fire of battle, looking over the battlefield as the scrapers cleaned the mess from their most recent skirmish. Decked in his black armor, he could still feel the wetness of the blue blood that stained his hands. Zaka Zagana stood by him, as he often did, rubbing his eyes in a moment of frustration. Leaning toward his lord, Zaka spoke with caution. Well, at least it was a victory, said Saurus. A victory? With such heavy losses? Have you heard what Misk has been doing? Why, yes, I have heard. Uh, many, many times. It is it's practically all you speak of these days, my lord. I've lost all clout. She has the great victories. She has generals' heads on pikes. What do we have? 
You're right, you're right. But it is hard to gain the head of a general when your king only allows you to handle these small skirmishes. How many years more will we be stuck here at the killing line? There is no glory to be gained here, said Saurus. Then perhaps we find a large one to interject ourselves into. I am trying. I have sent a few of our scouts to ascertain the location of one of the deadliest assassins of the Freezing Circle. Good. That will be effective. I had hoped to have some concrete information before I brought this to your attention, but it would seem, Saul, that you could use a win. At Zack's words, Prince Tsarus noticed a group of his scouts approaching his makeshift throne. A thin, midnight-skinned devil stepped forward, kneeling in obeisance. My prince, we have gathered the information that you requested. Then we will move immediately. Is it favorable? Should we strike now? No, uh, but we have information of their movements. It seems that the Drowning Circle is going to be sending out battalions from the Freezing Circle very soon. We have gathered their location. Perhaps we could strike there soon. We will muster our forces. Zack, make a note. They're getting allies. We need to reach out to the other circles. Well, we know that they have the Freezing Circle, of course. And just as we have the Melting, that is the way it has been since time immemorial. The Quaking Circle has, of course, done as they always do. They have burrowed into their halls and kept their noses out of it. But what of the Whispering and Thundering Circles? We'll talk to the Whispering. You must know that the Drowning Circle is going to be approaching them soon, if they have not already. Then we must beat them to that mark. Some weeks later, Satsaris had returned to the Burning Circle. He and Zack had devised their plans for the Whispering Circle, but their intel says that their enemies are actively working to procure powerful allies as well. If they were going to make their move, it would have to be soon. Or else, their window of opportunity might close forever. Sotsaris came to the castle of King Serastus, the place which he had called home for much of his life. He entered the obsidian throne room where the king and queen of the Kingdom of Flame sat upon their raised thrones, taking counsel concerning this triumph of devils. As Saul approached their thrones, waiting for his chance to speak, his mother gave him the smallest of grins, but he suppressed a grin of his own as his father called him forth at that very Tell moment. Tell me, Satsaris, how go things on the battlefront? We've had resounding successes, Father. It's time for you to give me greater missions. Is it? The Quaking Circle has retreated. As expected? Yes, the minor skirmishes you gave me were more than enough to take them back to their hidey holes. Did you not think that we would be better served had they, I don't know, joined us? Not the Quaking. I do think it is time for allies, though. Oh, you're thinking now. That's good. My son, my 
only son. You have come to report on housekeeping. You might as well be hunting wild game while your sister is making history. Is this your legacy? I am your greatest asset if you would let me loose. Let you? What have you shown me? Tell me this, Satsaris. How many of our soldiers have we lost? How many of our generals have been slain? We lost two before this war even began. How many more will we lose? And remind me, I forget. Niftalia, my dear, could you remind me whose fault is that? Niftalia pauses for a moment, giving a look of understanding to her son. Don't you think he knows that, Serastus? She says as she places a hand on his arm, calming him. I have matters to attend to. We will speak again this evening. Satsaris, you are dismissed. Saul bows in reverence and then stands, giving his mother an expectant look. He leaves the throne room and awaits in an antechamber nearby. Within just a few moments, Saul's mother, Neftalia, enters the room. <laughs> He's never going to get it. He needs to let me loose. I can do so much more. Saul, my dear, you know how your father sees things. In black and white, or for now, in red and in blue. That whole business with your friend, he is not one to forget. I know. And why does he favor Misk? What has made her so special? Son, don't be so short in your memory. How many years, how many centuries did you hold that favor over your sister? <sighs> if I could tell you how many times she and I have had this very conversation. Your father is a king. He is a lord of war. While he acts as though he hates this war, he loves it and you know it. Yes, Misk is impressive. She has finally stepped up into her own. She's not like you, Saul. She has not always been comfortable in her own skin. But now look what she's done. Don't worry, son. This war is far from over, and you will have your chance to show your worth before the end. Just be patient. Well, I actually was w wanting to ask you, I want to go to the Whispering Circle to seek an alliance. I was thinking of taking you with me to see their queen. The Whispering Circle? Interesting. What has brought this on? Knowledge is power. If Miss can win in the battlefield, then I can win at diplomacy. My, my, my. I never thought I would see the day when Misk is leading the forefront of bloodshed while you saw are leading the battle at T. This is a different millennia. Yes, the triumph of devils. I think you're right. There is an opportunity here. I know Varis Avara quite well, actually. She will not deny me a meeting. But I think we should take your sister as well. What? Hear me out. Why? 
Saul, you and Misk need this. To work together. Perhaps this could even show your father that you are willing to do whatever it takes. Don't think for a moment that he has not seen the murderous glances that you give her every time that you meet. We all know that you don't miss a chance to try and tear her down. Nor does she miss one to tear me down. I understand that, Saul. But you need to understand that, just as you are trying to make your way in the Nine Hills, so is she. Are you saying that you will not go unless we both go? What I'm saying is, yes, of course, this is your plan. This is your move. You will take point, but we will take your sister with us. She has a foolish son, Gree Darin. You don't know him, but from what I hear, he's a bit of an idiot. <laughs> Perhaps your sister can help keep him busy. Fine. Shall we? We shall. I'll take care of your father. You prepare for tea. And Saul. Yes. Have patience. Things will turn around. I know that it seems we are in endless war. But one day this war will truly be a triumph. And it will be one for the kingdom of flame. And when that day comes, you will take your rightful place in this kingdom. And whatever that may be, I could not be more proud. She says, placing a hand on his cheek. But sometimes you are so like your father. Four days later, Saul arrives at the palace of Varis Avara, queen of the Whispering Circle. Their mother, Neftalia, had secured a supper with the Queen of Whispers for herself and her children. Now, as Prince Satsaris wanders around the posh sitting room where they await their summons for dinner, his advisor, Zaka Zagana, imparts some final words of wisdom. Remember, as we discussed, Saul, this dinner is not a battlefield. Yes, yes, I know. I have point. Misk will be there. Mother will be there. I think I have this in the bag. I'm certain that you do, Saul. But just remember, this is your chance. This is your moment. Keep a cool head. I appreciate your words, Zach. Queen Varis Avara is quick-witted, from what I hear. Very quick-witted. She might try to press your buttons. <sighs> well, it'll be difficult. I can do this. I believe that you can, and here is your chance, Zack says as the doors swing open and a short, wispy demon motions for them to enter. Satsaris, Misk Isoda, and Neftalia step into the extravagant dining hall, and the door shuts behind them, leaving Zaka in the antechamber. In the center of this large room sits a long dining table, decked with a sampling of the finest hellish cuisine. Reclining to the left on a silver sofa, there sits a very handsome devil, with chalky white skin, black curled horns, and long silver hair. He continues reading his book, not sparing a single glance for the visitors. Ignoring him completely, 
Queen Varis Avara steps down from the table gracefully. She has the same chalky skin and silver hair as her son, but hers is wrapped up in a tall cylinder above her head like a silver cyclone, obscuring her horns completely. Sotsaris is taken aback for a moment by her overwhelming beauty as she approaches her guests. Queen Neftalia greets her with a genteel bow. Queen Varis Avara, please allow me to introduce my children. This, of course, is Satsaris, Lord of the Burning Circle, and my son. Satsaris bows deeply before the queen. And my lovely and powerful daughter. You might have heard of her recent victories in this triumph of devils. Princess Misk Isoda. Misk bows in like manner. Queen Varis Avara extends her left hand to each of them allowing them to kiss her jeweled silver ring. Why, Italia, you never mentioned that Satsaris was such a handsome young devil. And Misk Isoda, I have indeed heard of your great feats in this unfortunate war. Please excuse my son, Gree-Darin. He is a slave to his stories. Gree, if you would be so kind as to join us. With a sigh, Gridarin closes his book and begrudgingly wanders over toward them. With the necessary introductions out of the way, Satsaris began searching for his opportunity to speak with the queen alone. However, Varis Avara loved nothing more than to banter words with people of power, and she simply would not let Neftalia out of arm's reach. As the evening passed, and they sampled the meats and the treats lining the table, Neftalia suddenly gave Saul a meaningful look, and then turned swiftly to her daughter. Misk, you simply must tell Greedarin the account of your battle against Karkindal. Gree, perhaps you could write the story for her. I'm certain that it will be one that is retold for ages to come. Quickly, she pushes Misk toward the couches, where Greedarin is reclining once more leaving Saul with just the opportunity he was waiting for. Your Majesty, Varisavara. Yes, Sotsaris. What can I do for you? Obviously, we've come to negotiate a form of alliance, if you will be willing to hear me. Well, obviously. Not if I was not at least willing to hear you out, I certainly wouldn't have invited the three of you to tea, now would I? True. While your intentions may be obvious, Satsaris, you must also know that we of the Whispering Circle are also quite intent in remaining neutral in this seemingly unending war. Saul gives her a toothy grin. Your Majesty! You know there will be an end, whether it is in this century or the next millennia. I have a proposal. The Burning Circle has the largest army the Hells have ever seen. The most powerful mages the Nine Hells have ever seen. And we are growing our borders every single day. There's one thing we lack. Knowledge. Together we make the two horns of the greatest devil the Nine Hells have ever seen. Your knowledge and our military, we could conquer all the Nine Hells. The Drowning Circle would be just a puddle 
we squashed on the way to victory. What makes you so certain that you can accomplish this goal of squashing the Drowning Circle? They seem quite formidable from my perspective, Prince. I will admit that your sister seems to be quite the force, doesn't she? And that is exciting, of course. Tell me, is it true that she personally defeated General Karkendall? It is true. I saw it myself. <sighs> yes, she ultimately killed him. I instigated and could have done so myself. Oh, I see. So you wore him down for her. Is that right, Satsaris? I hear things, you know. Your Majesty, you of all have more knowledge than anyone in the hills. Misk is a major asset. I am a major asset with my military and your knowledge connections. Wouldn't you prefer to be the top two? Of course you're correct, Satsaris. I am the most knowledgeable in all of the Nine Hills. And do you know how I came to possess such knowledge? How? Through whispers. Yes. I hear whispers of what is going on across all of the Hells. In fact, I heard long ago of your sister's victory against Karkendal. I also heard whispers about you, Prince. I heard that the impetus of this entire war was a foolish boy who failed to save his friend. Is this also true, Satsaris? Wouldn't you prefer an ally who is willing to go to such lengths to save one another? Ah, uh, were I to ally myself with someone, I believe my preference would be for my allies to be strong, wise, powerful, not petulant children who begin wars on whims. And there's a reason why the Whispering Circle has been in the bottom six for the last seven millennia. The room grows suddenly quiet as all eyes turn toward the sound of Saul's raised voice. He stands to his feet, risen in anger, and Queen Varis Avara is now eyeing him with a look of both consternation and self-satisfaction. She stands as well to meet him, eye to eye. My, my, my. What a temper you have, Princeling. I suppose all of those rumors concerning your short fuse were not rumors after all. Now, if you think I will stand for being insulted in such a way in my own home, then I'm afraid you are sorely mistaken. Seeing the sour turn that this discourse has taken, Misk quietly approaches the table, placing a hand on her brother's shoulder. Satsaris, your majesty... I think what my brother is trying to say is that we together can rule the Nine Hills. The only way to assure this alliance between our two great kingdoms is marriage. Varisavara looks taken aback at Misk's words. Princess, when you speak of marriage, are you speaking of... I'm speaking of your son, 
Greed Darin, and myself. Would you not want your son to be married to one of the most, or should I say the most, powerful general of the Burning Circle? I am not disinterested in your proposal. Perhaps we could discuss this a bit more privately. Taking Misk by the arm, she leads her across the dining hall with a single dismissive glance towards Satsaris. Saul remains standing there in a moment of shock, once again powerless as his sister has stepped in, shining where he could not, and stealing his moment of victory. In a huff, he sits back down at the table. Frustrated, he lights a cigar, just as his mother, Neftalia, approaches. Son, I told you to have patience. That peasant would not follow logic. She's over there discussing a marriage. A marriage? For whom? A marriage for your daughter and that buffoon over there. Saul, sometimes progress requires sacrifice. This war is a long way from ending, is it not? Perhaps. And perhaps... It'll work out perfectly that Misk will be out of my way. Son, your sister is doing what she can for our kingdom. Well, we'll see if it works. We will. But my son, I would ask you to remember just who your enemy is and who it is not. Saul takes a long deep draw off of his cigar. A few moments later, Queen Varis Avara, along with Misk Isoda, approach the table once again. Well, Neftalia, after some enlightening discussion with your daughter, I believe perhaps there is something that we can do for each other. I believe there is much to be gained from such an alliance between the Whispering and the Burning Circles. Perhaps we can aid one another in this war, after all. As they make their way through the halls of the castle in the Whispering Circle, Satsaris sneers with a glance at his sister. Misk, I hope you love it here. I can't wait to see you. Living with that idiot. It's funny, Sitsaras, you think I would marry someone as weak as you. What? You... you played her? Misk pauses in the hall, turning toward her brother, a hand raised to her forehead in frustration. Sitsaras, you clearly have much to learn about the art of war. Exasperated, and then a huff... Satsar storms forward with Zack, leaving his sister in his wake. Then Misk feels a familiar hand placed upon her shoulder. So, a marriage then? You know he's not my type. I know that, but I suppose Varis does not know that. No, and apparently Saul doesn't either. Let me ask you a question, Misk. Do you mean to antagonize your brother so? Well, I mean, it's not like I'm the only one. I'm not saying that you are. You know, Father has just recognized me as a top general, which I've been trying to be for so long now. 
And now that I have it, I, I think I'm going to do whatever I can to keep it. At the expense of your own brother? Well, I mean, it doesn't seem to bother him. How do you mean? The way he treats me, the way he says things to me, you know he doesn't care. Misk, if you believe that, then you obviously do not know your brother. I'm not saying that he isn't cold and that he isn't difficult. He is. He has inherited that unfortunate quality from your father. Mm. But perhaps remember that this war will not last forever. Just ask yourself this, Misk. When the war is finally over, will you want a brother? Or will you be satisfied with a lifelong enemy? The journey back to the Burning Circle is a thoughtful one for both Misk and Saul. Saul is considering the betrayal, the pain that his sister has caused him. Misk, considering her mother's words, this war, in fact, would not last forever. And once it was finished and her moments of glory had passed, what would become of her? What would become of Satsaris? Would he once again rise in his father's favor? In her heart, she feared that she would fall once again to the lesser place in her father's eyes. If she wanted to secure her victories, if she wanted to establish her place as the heir of the kingdom of flame, then something had to be done about her brother once and for all. Dark are the icy halls of Death's Keep, deep in the heart of the freezing circle. On this particular day, that darkness is a friend to General Misk Isoda. Cloaked to match the bluish hue of the icy darkness around her, she silently makes her way through the keep, carefully following her instructions. Once or twice, she narrowly escapes the notice of certain devils wandering the halls but still no one notices her presence. Silently, circumspectly, she traces her way to the center of the frozen keep until she finds the glacier-white door to the queen's chambers. With the utmost care, she slides an ethereal purple dagger along the edge of the door, checking for wards or traps. Satisfied, she slowly opens the door, flitting inside. The room is dim, yet glowing by the light of two blue candles to her right. Candles illuminate a figure reclining on a couch, one hand behind her head, the other scribbling on a scroll in her lap. The figure is strikingly beautiful. Her skin is almost pure white, but with a slight bluish hint. Her bright blue hair is cut short just long enough to comb over and cover her left ear. Her white horns are barely visible, only slightly protruding from beneath her hair. She is dressed in dark, tight leathers fitting to her slender form. With a small glance up from her scroll, she sees as Misk quietly closes the door behind her. Princess Misk Isolda, I presume? With a swift motion, Misk removes her hood. Stepping forward, she takes a bow to one knee before the queen. 
Queen Elodine, thank you for granting me this audience. Ah, oh, please, please. There will be no need for such pleasantries. I am not so beholden to titles. Elodine will suffice. I am sure that no one saw you coming in, correct? You know that I'm pretty sneaky for a princess. Actually, no, I don't know much at all about you, princess, but I hope to learn more now. I received your summons. I suppose you received my instructions. I did. Eladane folds her scroll, sitting it on a table aside, and motions for Misk to have a seat on the couch beside her. Reluctantly, Misk has a seat. So I am to understand that you have some pertinent information for me? Yes, it's concerning my brother, Satsaris. Ah, Satsaris. I know him. He is brutish and foolish. Yes. What sort of information do you have for me about your brother? And why should I accept this information from you? You are, in fact, his sister, are you not? I am. But, see, me and my brother, he struggles to realize that I am the more suited general of my father, Sarastus' army. General? Or perhaps you are looking at a higher office, that of Queen? One of these days. And your brother is an obstacle to this goal? Of course. Always. So, what exactly is it that you think that I can do for you, Princess? It's more of what I can do for you. I see. Well, what can you do for me then? See, I know where my brother and his legion will be. I assume they will be, let me see, guarding the burning circle like they have been for some time now? Mm, that's very specific. Yes, well, I do make it my business to know what my enemies are doing. Especially those of such importance as the children of the King of the Burning Circle. Makes sense. What I need from you, if you would be so kind. Mm. I would like for you, being the best assassin in the Nine Hills. Of course. I would like for you to send your assassins to take care of my brother, if you know what I mean. And how exactly would we do this? All I need you to do is set a time and place. Then let the information leak out amongst the generals and your people, and I'll make sure Satsaris makes the appointment. And when he arrives, you just take care of him for me. Eladane leans back against the arm of her couch, giving Misk a quizzical look. So... Let me see if I can understand. You want me to kill your brother, take out his legions, which of course would be a great striking victory for our side in this war. And the only thing that you will be gaining from this is retribution or perhaps a path to power. With my brother out of the way, what can stop me? Well, I see no reason that we can't make this agreement. So long as you are willing to uh, give me some assurances that you will honor your side of the agreement, of course. Misk stands before the queen. Looking her in the eyes, she bows once again. Eladane, 
great assassin of the Freezing Circle. You have my word. I see. Well, then I suppose we have a deal. I will spread the information, as you say, and soon your spies, which I am certain you have, even amongst my people, will spread the knowledge of this coup, if you will. And you will make sure that Satsaris appears, and I will cut him down for you. Yes? Yes. Eladane stands, reaching forth a hand toward Misk. Without hesitation, the princess takes her hand, sealing their agreement. What an interesting meeting this has been, princess. I agree. I had a similar meeting not too far past now, with your father. It would seem that the apple has not fallen far from the tree. What... what meeting? If you don't mind me asking. The queen assassin pauses for a moment, bringing her hand to her chin, pondering. Well, I suppose you are his daughter, if anyone has the right to know it is you. He came to me before this war started with a uh, proposition. He said he would open the gates uh, of the burning circle and allow a few of my assassins to come in and procure a specific asset. One uh, Zakazagana, I believe, was his name. Serastus set that up? Yes, of course. It was his plan from the beginning. He wanted me to set up this kidnapping for this Zaka. And if I remember correctly, he had hoped that this would be the impetus of a great war. I believe his words specifically were, it is time for change. Hmm. You did not know this? I did not. Well, now you do. I suppose you should watch your back. Thank you, Eladay. Of course. As Misk stands to depart the halls of Queen Eladane, she has sealed her brother's fate. Making her way again through Death's Keep, she ponders what she has learned. What should she do now, considering this new knowledge about Serastus and his triumph of devils? Her father is a liar and a cheat. That much is certain. But what does this change? Really, she thought. Perhaps Eladane was right. Perhaps the rotten apple hasn't fallen too far from the tree. Serastus took his fate and the fate of all the hells into his own hands. Could she not do the same? One thing is certain. With this knowledge in her hands and her brother weakened, dishonored, finally taken out of the equation. No one would stand in her way. The Kingdom of Flame would be hers.